seated. And if you would turn to your Bible, turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're getting close to the end. This is an amazing passage, one that uh, the church has uh, really benefited from because truly ours is a warfare like no other. Hear from the word of the Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. May God bless his holy word, shall we pray. O oh, Father, we pray that you will wing your word like an arrow, like a, like a bullet into where it needs to go, and that is to us, because we are the enemy. That is our sinful nature and the flesh. O oh, Lord, we ask that we would die unto sin and live unto Christ. And Lord, that you give us the wherewithal to continue to fight the good fight of faith, wherein too we have been called and profess the good profession before many witnesses. For we have many enemies out there, the world, and then of course Satan, the God of this world, who have blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should open their eyes and set them free and make them children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. O Lord, to this end we pray your blessing upon your word to our understanding and to our hearts and to our service. In Christ's name, amen. Church is at war. Not at peace, at war. <clears throat> and like any war, we fight to win. Part one, there are three, sets the stage. What kind of a war is it? What is the identity of the enemy? And who are those that make up his army? Part two describes six necessary pieces of armor to fight with. Part three outlines how we engage the enemy. 
Our life is a warfare, not only against flesh and blood, but also spiritual enemies. Verse 10 again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How many times have you heard that? What does he mean, the Apostle Paul? Christ, through his death and resurrection, has essentially won the war single-handedly without any help from any of his recruits or his army. Jay Adams once described it like World War II when World War II had come to an end. There was a peace treaty signed in Japan between the Allied forces in Japan, ending the war in the Pacific theater. And yet there were Japanese entrenched on islands and atolls throughout the Pacific that didn't know that the war was over. They're like Satan and his, and especially his minions after the defeat at Calvary and the empty tomb. By the way, if you were ever to go after those Japanese soldiers that were entrenched in all these islands, you would, be, you would, you would have a firefight on your hands and perhaps you might be taken down. So, so to say Satan is real. Nevertheless, Christ is the victor. Romans 8 says, or asks, who is he that condemneth? Verse 34. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God the Father, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written. For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles are schemes and stratagem. Don't underestimate the devil, my brethren. That's why full-bodied and soul armor is requisite. So that not even an arrow can pierce, not even a sword can penetrate into your body. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Don't be self-confident that just because you have this armor on. We have a vicious and ravenous predator, an adversary, and that's the devil. And so as Peter would warn us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he may devour you. And you, if you let him. Don't underestimate Satan. We are further told whom, meaning Satan, resist steadfast in the faith. By your steadfastness, you will be able to resist him. Without it, you're toast. As the saying goes. Maybe a matter of time toast. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You're not alone because we are in a warfare together as 
the body. Spiritual wickedness in high places can also be in the form of human beings. Like it says in Proverbs 28.15. Proverbs 28.15. Turn to it. This is your sword. Use it. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. How do you expect the Spirit of God to work in your life if you don't have the Word? Don't expect the Spirit of God to work in your life if you don't have the Word. Proverbs 28.15. Let me read the verse before. Happy is the man that feareth always. It's better to be fearful. It's better to be afraid, especially of God. But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. How many times have we seen that? As a roaring lion and a raging bear, so is a wicked ruler over the poor people. Could it be that amongst what the Apostle Paul talks about in our passage, especially in verse 12, when he speaks about principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, that amongst those are some of our leaders, some of the leaders of nations, Perhaps our own president. In either case, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. James says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Remember the first part, you can't do the second without the first. Submit yourselves therefore to God. How many of you are submitting to God? To his word? How many of you are seeking to live unto God? How many of you are like Jesus Christ, whose will was to do his Father's will and not his own? Who even did not hold back from the cross at Gethsemane, although his flesh, his human nature, would have it so, and drank with gusto that whole cup of the wrath of God on the cross. Secondly, God has provided Christians with complete soul armor and body armor. Because we're both body and soul. Let's serve God. Verse 13, back at our passage in Ephesians 6. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. There is an evil day. Now, granted, it could be the whole, the whole kit caboodle of life. But I do believe that there is a day of reckoning. And finally, we know that the evil day will be when those who are not Christ will stand before the judgment seat of God. Are you prepared for that? Having done all to stand, the apostle says, standing. God's people are infantry soldiers fighting on the ground in deadly hand-to-hand combat. We're not flying. I have a relative that flies in an airplane and, and is involved in, in satellite uh, weaponry. That's not the armor we're talk, army we're talking about here. That's not the Lord's army. He says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. Take a firm stand, first of all, because he repeats the word stand over and over and over again. Take a firm stand for the captain of your salvation, who is Jesus Christ. Loins girt about with truth. A loin is like a belt that is used to clinch the uh, loose-fitting tunic that uh, soldiers wore back in those days. They didn't have the uniforms they have today, right? The really 
tight uniforms. Uh, those were the, what they wore, and so they needed that belt to, to tie everything together to make sure everything was nice and, and fit, so that when they went into battle, there was nothing that the enemy could take and just grab and then do a you know, jujitsu move, you know, and flip them over his, his uh, head. We can't be loose in our doctrine. There's too much looseness in the church today. There's too much lackness, laxness. Even in the Reformed Church, I, I have to say, and I'm speaking generally, I'm not pointing fingers, but just giving kind of like Indians, you know, they put their head to the ground and, and, in order to, to know where, uh, uh, where the enemy is coming from, and, and hear the, the, the footsteps uh, uh, ahead of uh, the advancing army. We have to do as the Apostle Paul says, for example, in 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed unto thyself and to thy doctrine. Isn't that interesting? Take heed to yourself and take heed to the doctrine. Continue in them. The sound doctrine of the Reformed faith. I'm just going to tell you right up front. That's where it's at. I told that to my son this morning. That's where it's at. No ifs, ands, ors about it. Doctrine. Churches out there, I'm not judging them. I'm not saying that they're not true churches. I'm not saying that they're wrong in the way that they go about uh, the building of Christ's church. But if the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Huh. That nice edifice will go tumbling down if there is not truth. The pillar and ground of the church the church is the pillar and ground of the truth. In other words, it has to maintain the truth. That's its duty. That's our duty. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear you. Oh, wow. <laughs> is that what we're after? I, I, yes. Yes, that's what we're after. Breastplate of righteousness. What's that? It's a tough, sleeveless piece of leather, uh, with materials such as from the horse's hooves and, and, and uh, from animal horns that are put on it as a, a, as a bulletproof vest. That was a bulletproof vest or arrow vest, sword vest, to protect this part. This is very important, right? Very important. All it takes is one hit to the, to the heart or even puncture the lung, it's over. And it's treated with oil to, to make it, you know, uh, malleable and, 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 it, and to protect it. And you wear it over your body and it just goes around your body and, and you have the, the, the girdle. Having a godly life, that's what this is about. Having our spiritual bulletproof vest, you know what that is? Let me read uh, Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 84. And they'll tell you. Since then we are redeemed from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of ours. Why must we do good works? Because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, also renews us by his Holy Spirit after his own image. That with our whole life we show ourselves thankful to God for his blessings and that, be, and that he be glorified through us then also that we ourselves may be assured by our faith, by the fruits thereof, and by
by our godly life and others also to Jesus. See how important that testimony is. That's everything. Without it, you don't have a foot to stand on. It's, it's an uneven it's an uneven footing. And, and, and you know how it is, especially as you get older, how having an even footing is so essential to your not what? Falling. That's the last thing you want is to fall. <laughs> you older people. Or yeah, maybe, I, maybe I should uh, <laughs> rephrase that. Us older people. <laughs> With all that experience, we can make one stupid mistake by not watching where we're going. And it's I won't say it's over, but I tell you, you're on the way down. <laughs> and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel peace. Isn't that interesting? How, how, that, how standing leads to what? Uh, you're with, or on your feet, you know, having good shoes. You know, like I've I, I finally been turned on to having one of these nicer shoes uh, for, for jogging and for walking. And uh, oh, what a difference. <laughs> I feel like I'm always like this, you know, bouncing. But your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Roman soldiers had shoes that had nails in them. Why? So that they could grip the ground. It's very similar to what we have today with, with a lot of these shoes today with the, you know, the thick threads. You know, They may not have nails on them. But then there are some uh, worker shoes that, that may have something like that for climbing roofs and things like that, right? To grip the ground so that you stand firmly against the enemy. You want to have that firm stance. That's like our apologetics. And I don't, I'm not talking about apologizing, okay? We don't apologize for our faith. Apologetics is defending our faith. That's what that word means. And to preach the gospel, called here the gospel of peace. Because we have been made with, brought to peace with God ourselves and have been made right in the eyes of God through Christ. And have that confidence in us that, that, that God is with us. Because God has come to us in the persons of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That we can speak confidently because we are where we should be. We are, as what we read earlier, on the right way. God has brought us into the right way. And Jesus is the way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. You can convincingly tell others how they can be right with themselves when you have such a testimony as this. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. The shield is something that's about two and a half feet wide, about four and a half feet tall. I mean, it's pretty massive. And it guards the whole body of the soldier against everything, right? You can, you can picture that, right? Especially the fiery darts. The fiery darts are flaming arrows. You know, like what they would shoot to burn up the city that they're about to take, you know, right? Over the wall into uh, uh, the inside of uh, the walled city. Those were very prevalent back in those days, and we understand why. You need to trust God to protect you against all temptations. That's what this shield faith represents. The, the faith is not so much the gospel as it is your faith and my faith. As John says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. 
And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That's where your strength and mind lies, is being able to stand behind that statement and to speak it to the world and not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And are you doing that? Because if you're not, you're not contending earnestly against the enemy of your soul and, and ours. You're not part of the solution. You're part of the problem insofar as you're not being vigilant, being sober. Because he's real. And while he has been maimed, while Satan has been maimed by Calvary, by the work of Christ, he is not yet down and out. He is not yet in hell. He's still wandering about like a roaring lion. What's that? Have you ever been alone with a roaring lion before? Or at least, you know, at the, at the zoo or they're in a cage and, and you, oh, I'm glad that the one time I went near a lion like that, it was a glass cage, glass and uh, bars. Because I tell you, it's, it's, he's ferocious. If Satan is anything like that, I don't want to be near him. I'll let the Lord contend with him. I'll just speak God's word. I'll just continue to uh, pray without ceasing because that's, that's all I can do. I don't know about you. That's all I can do. That's all sometimes I'm, I'm left with. I don't know about you, but that's all I'm left with that I'm pleading for the souls of, of, of my loved ones and, and my brethren, and especially those that are out there that are still in their sin under the wrath of God in darkness not knowing their left hand from their right, not knowing where they're headed, and that at any moment they could end up over the precipice into eternal condemnation in hell forever. And we'll never come back from that. And these are your loved ones and mine right now who are in this condition. And you're going to let them? You're going to let them do that? You're going to just pray for them and not give the gospel to them? Because what I see here is more than prayer. Yes, prayer. But I also see here those who are engaged with the enemy in prayer and with the word. And as we go on, we'll see more, a little bit more. So let me continue. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. Of course, we know what the helmet is. Most critical part. If you don't have a helmet, like if you're riding a bike, like our grandson got motorized bicycle. <laughs> and I tell you what, if he's going to be on that, he will always have a helmet on. But how much more so in the field of battle? The head, you hit the head and you're dead, right? He's dead. Or if it's your head, you're dead. Protect the head against discouragement and doubt and fears. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Faith, hope, and love. That's what is the solution. That is the helmet. The helmet of salvation. According to the writings of Paul. That is the antidote for head trauma. Or for even preventing such greatest of, of those three being what? Love. 
The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Back then, often the only weapon, except maybe, maybe a, a, the bow and an arrow. And, and usually, if, if in war, you may have those who have one or the other. Okay. But the, oftentimes, the only weapon. And it's not a, a necessarily a, a big, uh, welly sword. It's anywhere from 6 inches to 18 inches in length. And, and, and it, it's sharp, and it does its damage. We are to engage, actually engage, with the enemy. And this is how, in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. So 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, reads, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Meaning that it is not a physical war. It is not one where you can sight the enemy with the, with the naked eye, but with the spiritual eye of faith. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And those strongholds are the strongholds of our minds. They're not some fortress that we're trying to take, except it, it be the fortress of our of, of men's minds and hearts. That's what we need to capture. We need to capture them by the word of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. There it is. Here we are. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the battle royal takes place. And that is word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Getting the word out there. We're not just witnesses, we're warriors. Not just prayer warriors in the trenches, but prayer, but warriors in the field. Because the fields are wide in the harvest, and few are the warriors and the laborers and the witnesses. We go on to point three. This is how we are to use all of the above, and especially that whole armor. One, with much prayer. Verse 18, Ephesians 6. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. This is a spiritual prayer. This is not just, now lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. This is a real, serious, intense praying on your knees before Almighty God. This is talking about wrestling with the Lord. This is wrestling prayer. You know how you sweat when you wrestle. I wrestled for a short time on the high school team, and I tell you, I never sweat my life. <laughs> and it wasn't even summer that I remember. And this is for the whole ar army of the Lord that we pray for. Notice that it says, for all saints, uh, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. The kind of praying is a watching, vigilant, waiting on the Lord, persevering, supplicating, praying. Like, we just want... God's people to be saved. We want that loved one to be brought out of that, that uh, ICU room. ICU room. That's the kind of prayer that we want to pray, that we should pray. Not, not a, a, a hyper-Calvinistic prayer. Lord, thy will be done if he dies or if he lives. Yes, we, have, we recognize the will of God in all of the above. But when we pray, we pray as Christ says, you ask anything in my name, I will give it you. Do you believe that? 
You pray like that. He says, if you ask or if you tell uh, the mountains to be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done for you. Do you pray that way? Is that how you pray? And you pray for the battalion commander, the Apostle Paul, who is in the midst of inspiration of, of God's self-revelation and producing, along with the other disciples or apostles that he used, and disciples, by the way, Mark, John, John Mark being one of them, uh, in giving to us what we have here, which is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. He says in verse 19, and for me that utterance may be given unto me. And I believe that utterance may be in reference to the written scriptures, which then he would in turn give, or as he would give it, would be inspired, and that would be recorded by himself, or maybe a secretary. Toward the end of his life, he, he probably became blind, and thus uh, required someone to write for him. To make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's how we ought to speak. Not mealy, mealy mouse uh, type of speaking, like you can't even make, up what he's, make out what he's saying. We need to speak in audible, no uncertain terms, black and white, no gray. That's how we should speak. Because Satan has his crosshairs on you. And not on you, but on all of those that love the Lord Jesus. So, may I say this, don't rely on the armor alone for your defense, for your protection. Let's read uh, 1 Kings 22, 34 through 38. This shows the foolhardiness of that. 1 Kings 22. Two. 34 through 38. You can read about this in the background yourself later. I'm sure you'll be, be inspired to do so after you, after you hear this. Verse 34. 1 Kings 22, 34 to 38. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Okay, he had armor on, right? He had armor on, but what happened? Someone just shot an arrow at a venture, meaning just perchance that it would somehow hit him, and boy, it did. It did, right between his armor. Wherefore he saith unto the driver of his chariot, and this is Ahab, remember him? Turn thine hand and carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day, and the king was stayed up in his chariot against the Syrians and died at evening. And the blood ran out of the wound into the midst of the chariot. And there went a proclamation throughout the host about the going down of the sun, saying, Every man to his city and every man to his own country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. 
and one washed the chariot in the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor according unto the word of the Lord, which he spake. So don't trust even in your armor alone. Trust in Jesus, who said, without me, you can do nothing. As the branches are joined to the true vine, so are we joined to him by faith. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And one more thing. Tarry in Jerusalem. Look at Acts 1.8. One, Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. Notice, before you can be used, before you are to go out there, you are to wait for the promise of the Father. You're to tarry for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You're to wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, for the living waters of which are the Holy Spirit to flow through you, in you and through you. That's what you're to do. For others to be rescued, for others to be saved. Perhaps your family. As we know, two of our sisters are on a rescue mission for the soul of, of their your father and other relatives. I have a whole host of them that I'm praying for and that we're praying for as a family. I don't know about you, but I think now is the time. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. That's what the Bible says. Others need to be on the Lord's side because we want to see them in heaven, whether they go ahead of us or whether they follow us, we want them to be with us, don't we? And victory is assured. But we must go in his strength, fully equipped with his armor. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Lastly, look in closing to 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 58. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 58. O death, where is thy sting? O brave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we are thankful. We are thankful to be in this war because we know that whether we are willingly in the war because we have been 
saved by grace through faith in Christ alone and have been made soldiers of our Lord Jesus Christ and thus are recruited into the Lord's army or not. We are in the war. Those very souls that are in darkness, languishing, are either on his side or they are the spoils of his warfare. And, O oh Lord, that is not a prospect that we willingly entertain but fight against, Lord. We fight against that thought that, that those precious souls of our dear loved ones will be with Satan in hell forever. Oh, may you cause us to garner up what little we have, Lord, remaining of, 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 of faith, of that little faith that perhaps is, is, is the reason uh, behind our lack of desire to be engaged in such uh, a, a theater as, as, as war, to, Lord, raise us up. That you may raise us up along with the rest of your army for the cause of your glorious kingdom, which is a worthy cause, even as you're worthy, Lord Jesus, the Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. And you pray, O oh Lord, for your help as we are weak. But we know, Lord, that when we are weak, that you are strong in our lives. So to this end, we pray your help, your help, your grace, your mercy to be with us. In Christ's name, amen. Our last hymn is 492. <clears throat> 492, let's stand, please.